Hey y'all, welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Alyssa, and I'm your host. Today I'm talking with Rihanna. She is a trauma recovery life coach, dating coach, you name it. She pretty much has done has seen it and done it all. I love our how we have a conversation about um, ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences, our childhood trauma. And it's a really great conversation for those that are still struggling with things that have happened in their past um, and knowing that we have to move forward to. And I do share a lot of personal stuff in this particular episode. So if this is a, if you've been wanting to get to know me a little bit better, this is something that I share a very d- defining moment in my life in this episode. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, it's another edition of Women's History Month as well. Um, it's keep looking for a new episode to pop up every single solitary day so you know what I need you to do right now that's right start listening Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I'm joined by Rihanna, not the singer, but a, but a coach. And she's going to help us with our Women's History Month, Women Empowerment Month. As you know, I've already stated yesterday that each day of this month, I'm highlighting either a woman or a woman's issue. So just to kind of give women a lift up. And so before we get started, I wanted to share a quote by Maya Angelou that I think kind of um, goes with what you do. And it says, we may encounter many defeats, but we must not be defeated. So Great quote. So, Rian, why don't you tell us a little about yourself before we get into exactly what you do? Okay, well, thanks for having me on the show, especially during Women Empowerment Month. That's very cool. And hello, everyone. We want to encourage you to ask questions on anything as we go along, right, Melissa? So yes, we sure do. I'll try and spot them or just jot down anything because I know I'm going into a topic that a lot of people don't have a lot of information on. But uh, my background begins actually in uh, my teens and 20s. I really studied a lot on mindset and became a mindset coach. And I actually had a model on talent school and agency for 10 years from ages 26 to 36. And I taught small town people how to make it big and uh, really loved using mindset. And I found back then I had to help them overcome a lot of fears and doubts about themselves and messages from their families saying they'll never make it and this will never work, you know, all those negative messages. And then um, I became a psychotherapist in year 2000. I got a triple master's in applied clinical and counseling psychology, opened up my company Therapy by the Sea in New Jersey. 2009 and 10, I got certified in life and love coaching for singles and couples. And soon after that, I got certified clinical trauma professional. 
And now I specialize globally in helping men and women, singles and couples, straight and LGBTQ, and even those 16 to 26 who are stuck in transition or failure to launch to really create the life that they desire and to have the love they deserve by first overcoming childhood trauma and then any love trauma and then teaching them how to find emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious love. So that's what I do. I love how you don't um, separate like the LGBTQ. I love how you work with them as well, because there's a lot of places that won't work with them. So I love how you work with those. Well, you know, childhood trauma has no prejudice and the research has showed us that nine out of 10 people have at least one to three of the childhood traumas that I have on my uh, childhood trauma checklist that I developed back in 2012. And, um, you know, my singles, and uh, you know, whether they're straight or LGBTQ, they both equally respond fantastically to the healing and to finding the partner of their dreams. So I really enjoy that population and I love to see the results. Many of my clients have gone on and have very happy marriages. That is so amazing. Well, let's talk about childhood trauma. You said you created the list. Can you list some of the things on the list? Yeah, mine is called the childhood trauma checklist. And then there's also one that was developed by Kaiser Permanente. I came across years later called the ACE test, mm -hmm. which is adverse childhood events. But their correlation was comparing those with obesity. And they had 17,000 people. So it was a great study. Um, and how if they did not heal their childhood trauma, they went on to have early deaths and much disease like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, irritable bowel syndrome, migraines, uh, long-term anxiety, depression, and other things like that, where my study and research really goes into the results of how you feel about yourselves mm -hmm. and then how you show up and play in life, love, and business. So um, yeah, the Childhood Trauma Checklist actually has more than 10 traumas. But my work, I've been in business 21 years as both a psychotherapist and a, a coach. And I dealt with a lot of different populations. So as a SALC counselor, student assistance counselor, I worked in the schools with kids of trauma from kindergarten mm -hmm. all the way through college. And then I ended up working in a mental health uh, unit of a hospital that worked with children five to 19. And they, they were depressed or runaways or self-mutilated with cutting or had eating disorders, you know, just angry, outgoing or outlashing behaviors and that type of thing. Um, then I worked in a drug and alcohol facility because I am a drug and alcohol LCADC counselor. And that was for teenagers. And then I also worked in one for with women from the prison system. Mm -hmm. So all these different backgrounds, ages, cultures, because my ladies from prison were from age 19 to 68 mm. got in there from drug addiction. So, so many different types of people that I really had the privilege of working with. I kept seeing this top 10 traumas over and over and over again in their childhood. And it wasn't until um, I was dating and then married the man of my dreams. And um, he actually ended up having a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality type which means to the public, he's amazing, socially outgoing, charming, handsome. We had the most amazing relationship, but then he had a whole secret life that nobody mm -hmm. knew about. 
And that kind of exploded on him. He was a principal at a school. His superintendent found out and his life exploded because I was attached to him. So did mine. Mm -hmm. And then I went on. I decided to stand up for myself and become the attorney in my own case. And I won the annulment, which is a very rare thing to do. Um, but I did. I got the annulment. And then the last thing he said to me, he goes, I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. And I said, I don't know either, but I'm going to figure it out. And the research resulted in my 400 page book, Love Beyond Your Dreams. And um, this is what really started me on the research. So that's the time period where I put the checklist together. Wow. I mean, Let's talk about that love beyond your dreams because are the love you deserve too. Because I mean, honestly, I would have, most people would have just buried themselves and you fought to get an annulment and you, wow, that's something. Well, the thing was, you know, coming from psychotherapy, I had a lot of friends that are psychotherapists. So I went to them to say, what does he have? And why didn't I see it? And they're like, he blindsided all of us. I didn't see it. We're all good friends, right? So nobody saw this. And I said, well, what would make him do it? Nobody had the answers. So I said, there's got to be something. And he's been struggling, obviously, with this his whole life, but didn't talk about it. So that's when I really did the deep work on childhood trauma and discovered he had nine out of the 10 traumas with very high severity levels. And getting that understanding also led me to my forgiveness. I am a spiritual person, mm -hmm. but it helped me to see, wow, he really suffered as a kid. And because of his suffering, this has resulted. So that love beyond your dreams, break free of toxic relationships to have the love you deserve ended up being 400 pages. And I still had more research after that, that ended up in my 150 page workbooks on helping people heal from both childhood and love trauma. So that's how it all happens. So what can we do to help heal ourselves from childhood trauma besides, you know, obviously getting help from someone else? What's the first step we should do besides getting help? Well, if you'd like, I'll go into what the 10 traumas are and then how they show up and then how to get help. So that people, because most people don't think they have traumas, yeah, right? They course. might think, okay, that was a bad car accident or an accident when you, when you were a kid. But when you hear these top 10 and you think about, like go back to your child's mind and how did you feel during that time that these might've happened to you? So let's get right into them. And if you'd like listeners, write them down. Um, and I was just on another show that they asked me, the host, to do the full correlation and makeup of him. And I came up with all the things. I said, am I close? He goes, oh, my God, everything you just said is true. Like, <laughs> And I said, this is how strong the correlations are. Okay, so the first one, and remember, you were just a child. So we're young and innocent, and we couldn't have helped ourselves during this time. And they just became normalized because that was our home environment or what was modeled to us. And we don't want to be blaming our parents at this stage of life because we're trying to just understand our situation. And remember, trauma went through, always goes through at least three generations. Mm -hmm. So if we had trauma, so did they and so did their parents, right? So, and your grandparents. So it goes through three generations. All right. So the first one is if there was any addiction in the family. So drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was a chronic cheater and you had to hide the secret, porn use, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, 
workaholism, and even social media addiction. So the addictions usually come before quality time with the child. You would know if you came from an addictive household. Second is verbal messages. So you could have watched mom and dad fighting and yelling with each other. That was one way. Or they might have yelled and screamed at you. Or it could be like slight put downs like um, with the talent business. Why would you sign up for modeling school? You're too fat. You would never be able to do that. That was actually said to my one of my size 23 models who with a mindset for success got down to size 16 as one of the top Ford special size models mm -hmm. after working with me. So I taught her to watch me mindset for success. So all these messages were not good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, whatever, or not hearing, I love you. And even not hearing, you know, great job. I'm proud of you. You know, those, those compliments and accolades that kids really need to hear. So that's number two. Number three is emotional abuse and neglect. Number four is physical abuse, uh, rape or molestation. And keep in mind those as well as any of these traumas could have happened inside or outside of the home. So you actually could have had a stellar home life, but then, you know, go off to school every day and be bullied and beat up. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just in childhood in general. Okay. So um, trauma number four is quite prevalent in how this plays out as an adult, which is abandonment issues. And there's two types. There's fault and no fault abandonment. So no fault abandonment would be like if your parent happened to die early, if they went off to serve in war. And believe me, I was working in the schools during the whole Afghanistan war and all those kids that had parents in the military were just really emotionally checked out. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. I sat on child study team as well. How many kids were identified as ADHD? And honestly, they were just coming from traumatic homes because when the trauma is up, cortisol is up and memory and learning is down. So I did in Miss Rihanna's relaxation room in my office in the school, we did meditation in there. We did music therapy. Of course, the way that I would talk to them and encourage them, teaching them friendship skills um, to, to feel better about themselves as well as you know how to make friends. Um, it was very empowering. And as soon as they could be, become empowered, their grades actually went up. And it's the same with adults. As soon as they learn the mindset for success, they get a job promotion or they, they excel in their business or they get a raise or they get the, the next level in their, their co corporation because they're feeling so good about themselves. So it really is all interrelated. It's fascinating. Okay. So uh, another no fault abandonment would be if a parent happened to travel a lot and that's how they supported the family. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a fault abandonment would be something like um, never being in your child's life, being in the child's life while the marriage or relationship stayed together, then it broke up and you barely see the child, or even there being in the home, but emotionally absent, mm -hmm. like not supporting them at their sports or their art shows, uh, barely talking to them, just being buried into TV on the weekends and barely talking to your kid. So that is a form of emotional abandonment too. Okay, number six, being part of foster care, being adopted or having to go live in other people's houses. Um, your parents might've lost their home or there wasn't enough room for you. So you went to the grandma's or the aunt's house, something like that. 
Trauma number seven is the most uh, prevalent one that people can relate to, and this is called personal trauma. This is anything relating around if you didn't feel good enough or didn't fit in. So if you were like a little chubby or overweight child or skinny and gawky, maybe you were called the nerd at school. Um, if you had a medical issue walking around with an inhaler, maybe, or identified ADHD, kids hated, you know, being pulled out for mm -hmm. special counseling or classes. Um, you might have as a teen come out as LGBTQ and felt different because you weren't accepted or it could be racial or cultural um, where um, you just felt like you weren't accepted. You might've been the only African-American girl in an all Caucasian school. So there's many people that can relate to this trauma number seven, and it really, really hurts emotionally. Um, this is why I was shocked when the Kaiser study, the ACE came out at first without bullying on there or mm -hmm. abandonment. And I'm like, how can they miss these? These are like so important. And then later in the year down the road, they did add those. Okay, um, so that's trauma number seven. Trauma number eight is around siblings, sibling trauma. So your sibling could have bullied you. They could have been more born with a medical issue, which meant mom and dad had to give them more time and attention. Or most commonly, they're perceived as the golden child, mm -hmm. the more handsome or beautiful, the more intelligent one, or the star athlete. In some way, they got more attention than you. Trauma number nine has two parts. Uh, the first part is community trauma. So people who don't think they have trauma, guess what? You have this one now. What <laughs> falls under this is the COVID pandemic. Okay, so we are all dealing with this. Now, you know how much of... Uh, a disturbance emotionally this is as an adult mm -hmm. can you imagine the little children hearing the news reports worried about going to school playing with their friends if they go to school are they going to get sick and die you know all these news reports so try not to listen to the news around your children it's very scary for them and um, we're going to be seeing this impact with them as adults down the road so be prepared for that um, so anything else in the community, like our mother nature events, floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, mm -hmm. you know, these events are mass shootings, our school shootings. So there's so much now around community trauma to me, other than trauma seven and trauma two, which is verbal and personal trauma. I think this is one of the top busiest traumas mm -hmm. that we are all seeing. So the second part of nine is family trauma. So look how community trauma impacts family. So if you lost your job due to COVID, you may now have lost your income, which is now causing fights in the family, right? Or hearing a lot of lack messages. We don't have the money for heat bills or food bills or standing in the food lines. Um, family trauma could also be growing up in a dangerous neighborhood. It could be a parent who is incarcerated it could be uh, being part of our military families who travel every two to four years in the U.S., putting children in different schools each time, which is really hard on the kids. So there's many more under both community and family trauma. That's just some examples. And trauma number 10 is mental health issues in mom or dad. Now, as baby boomers, our parents didn't go to counseling, so we kind of have to guess. And... Um, I would say the two most difficult for our children to navigate our kids is bipolar or borderline personality types. Borderline, I can easily describe as someone who has fast trigger anger. 
very erratic moods. When they're good, they can be great, but when they're bad, they're horrible. Mm -hmm. And um, they would get angry and lash out at something that everybody else would not find a big deal. So they're very hard for the small child to negotiate. How are they going to be keeping a child very anxious and growing up as an anxious adult? And then bipolar is manic depressive. So depression can come out in anger, uh, fatigue, or emotionally checking out. And a manic phase could be a gambling spree, spending spree, eating binge, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So those are the top 10. Could you well, identify with some of those, Melissa? Yes, totally. I mean, definitely about the childhood. I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but I'm not sure. When I was little, I had a sister tell me, God was like, oh, I'm so pretty. And my sister said, oh, you shouldn't say that. Or, no, somebody said, you shouldn't say that because that's not modest. And she's like, well, she has to say that because nobody else is ever going to tell her that she's pretty. Oh. And, see, and I would think I was like six or seven years old. And that just sat with me and it's still sitting with me. Sure. Today. You remember these times. And if our audience want to chime in, if how many traumas they had or any questions or uh, stories. Yeah, but you do. I was bullied. Uh, I was tall and skinny, the gawky one. And I was terribly bullied in middle school. It was horrible. Um, and, you know, my, my dad traveled for work. We didn't know where he was much of the time. And my mom didn't even know. And what we discovered in many later years was he was FBI and CIA. We got a letter from Ronald Reagan and William Casey <laughs> thanking him for his many years of service. And I'm like, oh, that's where he was. Okay, now we get it. No. Wow. Yeah. So very interesting. And then the verbal messages. And I found out this is very, very common in the baby boomers that we did not hear the words I love you very often from our parents. Um, and I asked my mom this and I finally taught her to say the words when I was 24 years old. I said, I'm going to teach this woman to say she loves me. And I did. But I asked her, why don't you tell your kids this? And I'm fourth out of five kids. She goes, well, these aren't words that we use. I didn't grow up hearing these words or using these words. I said, but mom, your, your kids need to hear this from you. You know, this is when I was a psychotherapist mm -hmm. and, you know, so I'm going to teach her you know, how to do this. <laughs> but um, it's very interesting. And that was my whole generation of baby boomers. I was on the beach with like six people. And when they all said, we didn't hear those words, mm -hmm. six out of six. Fascinating. That so. is so true. And I think a lot of us too, the generation, like we never talked about our feelings in my family, but now I make a point to sit down because I have three girls ages 25 to 19 now or 18. And we sit down when they're all home. We have conversations with each other about how we're feeling because Good. I don't ever want them to feel like they can't come to me about anything. And That's they awesome. actually were on a, two of my oldest girls were on a panel about mental health. And they talked about some of the anxiety and some of the things that they felt. And they felt comfortable about doing that live with me because they knew there was no judgment. And I think that's where it comes from. There's no judgment. Yes. Very good. That's awesome. So how do we get over that part of, first of all, we're kind of like in ourselves. We have these traumas. We have all this low self-esteem, all this stuff going on in our head about things we can't do because of all these childhood traumas. Obviously this one step is getting help, but what are some of the other steps that we can do? 
There's many, many steps. My, I'm a certified clinical trauma professional, which that's what CCTP stands for, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. So my uh, healing process with my clients, my coaching clients is like a hybrid, right? I have all this 21 years of psychotherapy experience and what, 11 years as a coach now. Um, and But coaching is very educational. So from the very get-go, like just educating you on what the 10 traumas are, the next step I would do with my clients is look at the severity of the ones that they name for themselves. Then how are they showing up as an adult? Because you can't change what you don't acknowledge or understand. So that's the first piece. Then I do the trauma healing. There's many, many different things that we do. There's a certain meditation that we do. We do um, reparenting of the self, positive self-talk, going from unconscious to full conscious awareness. That takes a lot of time. Breaking old behavioral patterns, creating new ones that are positive and working better for you, catching those old ones, catching the negative fear-based thoughts, which we do capping and correcting those thoughts. <clears throat> and I have a 150-page workbook that they do. So they fill out it's kind of like a form of bibliotherapy. They journal the answers and they give it to me and how they answer is how I help them. So everybody's very individual and in how I'm working with this, right? It's very individualized. Mm -hmm. I call it like everyone is their own puzzle. And it's a very interactive team when we're working together. But there's much for me to teach them from the research, from the worksheets, from the books, from my studies. So it takes me four to six months to do the trauma healing is the first part. The second part, if they're single, is how to attract an emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious partner. And if they're a couple, then I, you know, all along I have to do partner A's trauma, partner B's trauma mm -hmm. and healing. Then C, the relationship, which is a whole new way of communicating. Once I understand what their traumas are, they have to understand each other's trauma what it means to be emotionally triggered from each other, owning if they're triggered and why, they have to know where that comes from, claiming it, talking about it with their partner. And it, it, it sounds complicated, but it isn't. Once they learn to practice it, nobody's taking things personally. They learn how to talk about their feelings proactively, not reactively. They're always looking to um, do what's for the good of all. This is, has a spiritual component as well. So, you know, before they do an action, will this hurt me or my partner in any way, my reputation or my job or in the community? Will this hurt my kids? So there's all this accountability that they run through. So this is what we call conscious behavior. Mm -hmm. We think before we do say, act, text, write, anything. And initially that's really hard for people because just people are on automatic. Mm -hmm. And when you become fully conscious aware and you practice it, it, it becomes just your way of being 24 seven. And it's a great way to be. It really feels amazing. Yeah. I love the fact that you don't react in the moment. You, you sit there and you think about what you should say instead of, because a lot of times when we react in the moment, we say things we not, we don't want to say that that's right. we end up hurting each other even more. So I love that. Yeah. That's really important. But when you're meditating every day too, your triggered reactions slow down because meditation is proven in science and quantum physics. It lowers anxiety, 
depression, your cortisol levels, which is your flight or fight response, that quick reaction, it slows that down and it lowers blood pressure and increases dopamine and serotonin levels of your brain, which are your happy chemicals. So all my clients meditate in a certain way that I teach them 15 minutes a day, every day. And that is changing the trauma response system in the brain and in the body cells. It's so quite cool. Talking about retraining ourselves, let's talk about self-sabotage because we, I'm huge on that. I know I need to stop doing that, but I tend to sabotage myself a lot. So let's talk about how we can avoid that and how we can, you know, stop setting ourselves up for it because it seems like we set ourselves up to fail, basically. Well, it's not consciously. So when we talk about how do trauma show up in our adult life, this is some of the things you're talking about. So let's talk about impulsivity. Impulsivity comes from maybe someone that had trauma number nine. They grew up in a poor neighborhood. They, they became uh, successful in business and now they want the sports car. Well, I made it. I deserve it. And without saying, let's say it's a man going out and getting the sports car without talking to his wife about it. You know, she's a, well, this is an expensive purchase. Why? Oh, I thought you'd be happy. Why do you begrudge my happiness? I work hard. I deserve the sport car. Mm -hmm. See, so impulse is one of the ways it shows up and it can get couples into a lot of trouble. You make risk, risky choices that destroy the relationship. Impulsivity can also be a part of cheating. Um, a man that may have had a poor mother-child, mother-son relationship, he may expect a lot of perfectionism in his wife, his partner. And uh, over time, that can be very difficult. You know, nothing's good enough. They never look good enough. They have to lose weight. You know, nothing's good enough. And um, they just pick them apart, this perfectionism. So this could also be the man if the wife says, no, honey, I'm not feeling up to intimacy tonight. He gets, he takes it as a rejection, then impulsively goes out and picks somebody up to have an affair. So his ego now feels better. This comes from abandonment or broken mother-son relationships. Women tend to get into a lot of people-pleasing. This could be, let's say, a young girl grows up with a very difficult, angry father. So in order not to get dad mad um, or get hit, she'll please him to death, learn to become mm -hmm. charming. And then the people-pleasing, when she becomes a, a woman and then gets married, I'll hear Brianna, my husband and kids don't love me like I love them. I do everything for them and nobody does anything for me. And she's exhausted and angry and frustrated and rightfully so. But this was so normalized in her that this is how she gives and gets love that she just thought everybody does it that way, right? So mm -hmm. she has to be re-educated. New boundaries have to happen. If you grew up with abandonment issues, some things that show up are codependent relationships and love addiction. So people of trauma attract people of trauma. And mm -hmm. when there's love addiction, very often these relationships consciously you say, I know he's no good for me. I got to break up with this guy. And then you break up. But after about seven days, two weeks, you start missing him. You start rationalizing. Well, he says he's going to change. He's begging from the other side. You say, well, at least I know he loves me somewhat. You know, maybe he can fix the other things. But this back and forth and back and forth mm -hmm. on an average happens seven times. 
in toxic relationships before the healthier partner finally says, I've had enough. I can't do it anymore because things have not changed. Um, addiction very often comes from unhealed trauma, um, jealousy and control. Jealousy can come from trauma number seven and number two, those verbal messages of not feeling good enough and not feeling good enough in society so that you can be jealous of your partner if they're attractive and they think they're looking at other people or making eye contact and flirting with others. That's where jealousy can come from. Control can come out in two ways. If you control on the business side of things, you can tend to become very successful in business. Mm. And a lot of the female clients I have are very successful in business, but struggle in love and can't figure out why they can't get love right. But they're booming in business. Well, they learned as a young girl, you know, if they came from a difficult childhood, well, at least if I work in school, I feel good there. I get compliments. My teacher likes me because I'm the good student. Mm -hmm. And so one time I might get a hug from mom and dad and say, great job, kiddo. Right. If I get a good report card or they came from such a toxic home, it's like if I get good grades, I'm just going to get the hell out of here as fast as I can. Maybe I'll get a scholarship. You know, my parents are too poor to send me to college. If I get good grades, I can get out of this house and maybe get a scholarship. So there's different reasons why they become successful in business with this work ethic, which is great. This can also lead to workaholism, right? Um, but also this control, if you start putting that into your relationship and trying to control your partner, you're usually gonna end up losing them, especially mm -hmm. a woman trying to control the guy. So yeah. those are just a few. Wow, you have dropped a lot on us right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because honestly, the self-sabotage and the control, I can see that because um, in my family, well, I'm just going to go off. My mom likes to control. I, I have a sister, too, that likes to control everybody else around them instead of taking on the fact that, you know, they may have other plans or they may have other things they have to do. It's not just about you. It's other right. things that happen, you know. And so I made a point that when I, my husband and I started having kids that, our immediate family was going to come first to build that bond that I didn't have with my immediate family growing up mm -hmm. so that the girls knew that they could come to us with anything. And then anything else with the extended family, if we were free, we went for it, but they took it as kind of a rejection, but it wasn't meant that way. It was meant to kind of heal myself to have yeah. a positive relationship with my girls. And you do have to put your partner first, even above your children. A lot of couples make the mistake if they always put their children first and drop the relationship, drop the romance, don't spend time on dates anymore. By the time the kids are grown up and out of the house, these couples often divorce. So your partner is one then your children are two. Then you go to your extended family and friends. But yes, that is the hierarchy of importance. And um other ways that control can enter into this. I don't know your mom's story, but people tend to control other lives when two, their life is out of control or two, they grow up with a lot of chaos in their home. So they crave control. They want control so much. Um, and they always wanted it as a child that they really overdo the control and bother other people. So is that maybe what happened with them? Yeah, I think it's the the second part because she she's a, 
of, of divorced parents. Um, one of her sisters married um, one of the stepbrothers. So it's like a whole other, you know, whole issue type thing. Oh, okay. She lost one of her sisters when her sister was 18 years old. It was the one closest to her in age. So that whole trying to integrate into a step family and divorce, moving into a different town, which one thing was really good about that is she met my dad. So, but yeah, I could see that. That makes yeah. me understand her a little bit better. Yeah. That's where that control comes from. Um, and a lot of times, like I said, they don't see it. Uh, this is where OCD comes from. Everything has to be lined up or in a certain order. And that's usually from a chaotic childhood. Wow. So now let's talk about your dating and your love. Because I know a lot of people, I have some viewers and listeners that are single. So let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Where should people, first of all, um, you have a love test on your website. So let's talk about why you created your love test first. Okay. There's actually four of them on there. So one is a childhood trauma checklist. One is for singles. Are you ready to date and have a relationship? I'll talk about that one. Um, very important for them to analyze where is their life right now? If their life is not together. They should not be dating. Mm -hmm. They should totally be focusing on self-love and pulling their own life together. Because you'll hear women dating and saying, I want a wealthy guy and she's $15,000 in debt. Mm -hmm. She's looking to be rescued. Instead, maybe pick up a part-time job, pay off that debt, get your life totally together. And this test will tell you what areas of your life need to be together before you are considered the whole package and getting out there to date. Because when you know your life is together, um, you will not stand for someone else whose life is not together. And it's going to be really easy to see that. And two, you'll attract emotionally healthy, evolved love, because if they're emotionally healthy, they want someone else who's emotionally healthy. So two people that have their life together make the best couples, right? So the first thing is self-love and focus on yourself and getting your own life together with coaching and um, feeling amazing about who you are before you step out to date. And the second part is know your dating skills. Now, these are not reading a hundred self-help books. These are what I teach are very different dating skills that has to do with psychology, spirituality, mindset for success. It's all your inner game. It's all your inner life because plus education. But when you know what you're doing, your confidence just shines and you're showing up with all this energy and people notice it. They're just very attracted to your energy. So our clients really are the choosers. It's easy for them to choose who they want or who is not a good fit. They're, they're not out there dating from a desperate, needy place. And that's a very dangerous place to be dating from. Um what else? The other test is the couple's red flag checklist. So if you're in a relationship, you're not sure if you want to stay or go. There's 36 red flags to analyze. But if you think it's bad, how bad is it? Do the red flag checklist. Let's see. Um, I get a copy of your test. You get a copy of your test. I interpret it real fast and send you back what the answers are. Um, and then the other one is the, uh, the ACOA checklist. Um, and uh, that one is adult child of an alcoholic or other trauma. So we, we get to dive deeper into what those uh, issues are and how often they're showing up in your adult life, adult life now and your relationships. 
So those are the four quizzes that are free on my uh, website, as well as the ebook about childhood trauma um, and how this shows up and the childhood trauma checklist again. So you can find, uh, you know, that and, and read that ebook. That's really important to get more facts on that. Now let's talk about, you're talking about relationships. I know there's a lot of my friends right now that are going through divorces. Let's talk about how they heal after divorce, because there's a lot of, you know, cause you don't think you're worthy, especially if, if you're the one being cheated on, you know what I'm saying? If you're not the cheater, but the one being cheated on or the one that's made to feel less than, and you finally say, I'm finally standing up for myself. This can't go on anymore. So okay. how, do you do that? how do you heal from that? Well, usually if there's cheating, the, the marriage was broken before the affair, unless you're with a sociopath who uses someone for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. And sociopaths have no remorse. They're the people that will never apologize. And no matter what happens, they're always going to blame their partner. They won't take responsibility. So if you're with someone who is psychopath or sociopath, People think it's the narcissist. No, it's the sociopath that has no empathy, no remorse. Um, there are 10 different types of narcissists. There could be a healthy narcissist. And the worst one is a malignant narcissist. Well, the psychopath and sociopath are always a malignant narcissist, you see. Um, so it really depends, A, on the personality type. B, it could be your marriage was broken before the affair. See, if it's a chronic cheater who cheats over and over again, this is toxic behavior. That's part of their personality type. You're best to move forward, heal yourself. No, it's not about you, but you will need to get your self-esteem back and feeling good and sexy and womanly again. And let's heal that first. All the traumas, love traumas, what we call this, mm -hmm. and your childhood trauma that attracted you to this person in the first place. Mm -hmm. Let's heal all of that, then get you the education to get you back out there dating successfully, knowing the questions to ask on your first or second date, not jumping into a fast relationship, never a fast marriage, you know, really taking your time to get to know someone and certainly not falling in love due to chemistry. It's the worst way to fall in love. And people are like, why Rihanna? This is what we, you know, if he's cute and he's hot, we're attracted. Nope, that's what we call the icing on the cake. But without the cake, the substance, the icing just melts away, right? So you need time to really decide who is this person in front of me? What are their values, their morals, their qualities? Do we have enough in common? Can they be my best friend, my best buddy? Will they support me during a downtime? You can't find all that out just because you're attracted to someone. So you really need to know what to look for. And none of nobody really taught us these skills. Not even in my triple masters in counseling do they teach you about relationships. But my love book in part four has what is the emotionally healthy relationship? What's it look like? So I go into that pretty deep in that part of the book. Um, but there are definitely things to do and not to do for the singles and for the couples that are together. I teach you a whole new different style of communication um, and understanding each other's traumas, triggers, and so forth. So the couples that come to you, are the success rate, like, are there some that say, no, you guys shouldn't be together at all? Or are you kind of like, do you kind of find redeeming qualities to help them work together? Well, couples come to me in different ways. It's pretty interesting to see it happen. 
Um, one of them will want coaching and the other ones are, no, I'm not doing it. And I actually have a man in my uh, coaching practice right now. He's about halfway through his sessions um, and he's there. She only wants to stay in couples counseling. And I said, well, how's that working out? And he goes, we've been there over a year and it's so bad. I'm ready to leave the marriage. Nothing has helped. We're not learning anything. She just sits there and tells him how bad I am. And she feels empowered and I feel like crap every time I leave. So I need to help myself. I know I have an anger issue. I heard you speak. I recognize that I have childhood traumas. So I need to fix it for myself. And maybe I'll be a better husband and fix this. Or I'll be a great single and ready to date. And that's how I tell my one partner that comes in from a coupled relationship to look at it. One or two things are going to happen. Now, it's funny. I still have not met this wife. But she has passed by. And on the second session, she says, tell Rihanna, thank you. You're changing already. I can't believe it. So I am totally focusing on him. Like I tell my singles to do, focus on getting your self-love back, creating the life you desire. What is it you want to do with COVID? You've gotten fat, lazy, watching three hours of TV, not dressing up, not shaving. And he's a pretty successful guy, but he didn't have to go into his office. But, you know, a lot of people just got lazy with COVID. And I said, are you the same guy she fell in love with? And he goes, uh, no, not at all. I said, well, let's get him back. Let's see if we reawaken her desire, which is exactly what happened. Now he's looking amazing. He did took on a this business deal that in the spiritual world, we say there's no mistakes, but it miraculously showed up in two people that he met by a chance meeting and they are, you know, doing some new construction work now, something he's always wanted to do. And he said yes to the offer. And he's just flying high. He's feeling amazing. And he's able to speak his feelings. He no longer gets angry. He no, no longer pushes his woman for intimacy because he knows that there's a time that she needs to feel ready. Like, so there's a lot of education. Mm -hmm teach both the man and the woman. And that's why I love coaching and coaching works so well because it's a highly education model and then putting it into practice. And then my VIP clients, they can text me, they can email me. If something's coming up, they get the immediate answer. They don't have to wait another week for their session. So um, I put together an amazing program that really, really helps transform lives. And it's great to see then there's, you know, I had a couple um, where the woman started and she was 73. And it was after a 40 year marriage, but the guy was a chronic cheater. She was, I'm too old for this. I can't stand it anymore. I don't want to do it. And I said, but single world isn't real easy either at 73. And I said, before giving up, let's just start you and let's see what happens. Well, eventually picks up the Love Beyond Your Dreams book, starts looking through the toxic people calls me and goes, uh, Rihanna, I recognize I have like eight of the toxic patterns and maybe it is me that's ruining this marriage. He never saw it before until it was easily explained in black and white in that book. And he goes, can I come in? I said, sure. I was waiting for your call <laughs> because his <laughs> wife was getting confident. She was dressing more sexy, more alluring. Uh, didn't care when he uh, acted up, went out and did her own activities and she was starting to get very empowered and um, she loved it. And she's there. I'm ready to move on. If he doesn't change, if he does, 
I'll see what he does. And they ended up buying a beautiful home together, stayed together and are very happy. So let's talk about that. You just talked to, you just hit on something as you were talking about both these couples is that as you go on, of course, your marriage changes because it changes from, you know, when you're first married and you have kids, you add kids to the equation and the kids and then the kids are out of the house. So how do you keep that love alive or that romance spark? Yeah. I mean, it's a dedication. I call it, I talk about many balanced triangles for my people, but for couples, it's you, me and us. So on your time individually, you have work, maybe time working out, a little bit of time with friends. But if they ignore that us piece and they don't do Saturday night dates, Wednesday night dates, I say twice a week. And it doesn't have to be dinners. You know, go take a drive, go take a walk in the park, go to the beach and have share a bottle of wine. I mean, do just share time together and don't just talk about your problems and kids. Mm -hmm. You know, take a couple's vacation. Don't always take the family. Maybe do one family vacation, one couple's vacation a year or an overnight once every three to four months. You know, you have to do things to keep the the spark alive. And I said, yes, aging is natural. But what do you look like when you met them 10 years ago? Do you look the same or did you put on 60 pounds, 70 pounds? It's not necessary. Get healthy, get healthy for yourself, get healthy for your partner and your relationship. How do you dress? Do you dress schlumpy and sweatsuits all day? Or are you still putting a nice look together? You know, even workout gear can look nice. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, keep in mind, um, you know, the number one caveman need in his brain is attraction. Mm -hmm. He can't help it. He's hardwired that way because a man is made to procreate the race. Mm -hmm. The woman's number one need is safety and security. So the men have to ask themselves, am I making my wife feel safe? You know, do I have regular work coming in? You know, that will keep her calm and happy, you know, because she's hardwired for safety and security because she is the child bearer. You see, so, you know, just knowing some of the, the common things that are so important. Here's another fact. Most people don't know this. The man's sexual center of the brain is seven times that of a woman. So the way that they're attracted and their ability to make love and get the turn on is much different. A man can do that quite quickly. Again, his his physiology is different than the woman. The woman needs her five senses ignited to feel Mm -hmm. turned on. So if she's yep. done a to-do list and the cooking and the homework and cleaning the house and they're watching TV and then the 11 o'clock news and he wants to make love and she goes, oh, I'm just not feeling it. Yep. And then he gets all pissed off and rejected. It's like, hello, dude, you need to know what a woman needs. And they're not teaching this important stuff anywhere. So, and they need you know, to. What's that? They need to. They do need to. And this is the type of things that I teach my couples. So when the man understands this, then I also say you have to know your woman's best time. Some women are morning people. Some hate it in the morning. Some have more energy at night. Find out what's best for your lady. Maybe it's midday. Figure that out. Have a conversation around it. So like our cup, my couples, we talk about a lot of different things. And these things are never discussed. It's the big elephant in the room. And then they wonder why there's a divorce many years down the road. Well, you know, that's why they became roommates. 
love that. Our <laughs> time is almost up. So okay. it's one thing that you want to leave with one little nugget that you would like to leave us with. I just really want to encourage people that now is the time really to create the life you desire and have the love you deserve. If COVID has taught us anything, life is short, live large, change what you don't understand. And, you know, if you want coaching and your partner doesn't, you get started, but always something is better than nothing. Keeping the status quo changes nothing. I loved it. Wayne Dyer said, if you change nothing, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. So change something, get help, get educated. You start the process. If you're in a couple, if you're single, start the process of self-love right now, get empowered, get it now before this COVID, you know, the COVID thing's getting easier to navigate. Dating is starting up again. So get your education now and uh, create that life you really love and that you want. Okay, so where can people find you at? My website's the best place, rihannamilne.com. That's where, again, you get the free ebook on the homepage under books, the free book chapter downloads of both Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams, the four free love tests, lots of articles, and also my podcast is called Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. It's on every podcast channel as well as my YouTube channel. Oh my gosh, I think I have 250 audios and videotapes right now, all educational and the best place social media that I post everything I'm on, including this show is coach Rihanna Milne. So that's the best place on Facebook to find me there. All right, Rihanna, I want to thank you so much for dropping all these truth bombs on us. And you are more than welcome to come back on anytime you feel like coming back on. Thank just you. message me because I think we just scratched the surface on childhood trauma, self-sabotage, um, marriage and divorce, everything. I think we just scratched the surface. Line. Oh yeah. There's lots to learn <laughs> for sure. But thank you so much for having me. And I hope for this, your listeners that this was very helpful for you. All right. So guys, we will see you and listen to and hear you now in the next chat from the block cabin. So have a great day. Bye. Honestly, this chat was like mind-blowing and amazing. I know I say that about a lot of people that come on, but to listen to her, the conversation she's had, she's actually walked through this herself. So it's like, wow. Um, I am going to have her come back on because we're going to be talking about relationships with parent and child next. So I think that's something that's going to be really cool. I think we're probably going to do that in April, May, June sometime. Um, but I hope you really enjoyed this podcast episode. Um, I love the fact that you guys are tuning in and listening. I can see my numbers are going up. I hope you really enjoyed this women's um, empowerment series, this women's history series. Um, it's not going to be uh, every month. You're going to have a single solitary podcast drop because I would be dead by that time. But just this month of March to honor the women that are out there doing the work, even if they're, at home raising their family or if they're working moms or if they're not even moms or they're you know they're creating lights or even to respect the people that have come before us um this is my way of playing paying tribute to them so i want to thank you so much for being part of the podcast family um like subscribe review however you um wherever you listen to and 
You know what I need you to do? I need you to be blessed and keep chatting with each other.